Hello guys and welcome back to the Pound for Pound podcast with your host David. I'm really happy to have you guys here for my second episode. But before I move on, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone that tuned into my last episode. The turn up was massive and the love was overwhelming for me. I'm really grateful for it. And I want to urge everybody that listened to the last episode and is going to listen to this new episode to give a follow to the podcast from any platform you are listening to, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other place that you are listening from. Give a follow and it helps the analytics. And in this show, we are going to be talking about the Premier League actions and the UFC actions of the previous week. We have a jam-packed crew for you guys. Do not go anywhere. Stay tuned for the next segment. Peace. So in the Premier League, we covered the Chelsea game, the Liverpool game, the Manchester United game and the Tottenham game. Chelsea played against Luton Town and in the Chelsea game, we could see that Chelsea were much more organised and coordinated when compared to their game against West Ham United. In the game against Luton Town, Chelsea were possessing the ball, they controlled the game, they, they controlled the pace of the game. Chelsea didn't just rush into attack. They were, they were concise and systematic in their approach of the game. And the player that really caught my eye, or two players that caught my eye, first was Raheem Sterling and Nicholas Jackson. Let's talk about Raheem Sterling first. So Raheem Sterling, in the last season, in his last season, he wasn't doing the best, having the best of seasons as the last season. But this season, he has proven that he is showing why Chelsea went into the market and got him in. And he wants to prove that he is one of the, the, the best wingers, if not the best winger in the Premier League. He he started with the game, he was lively, he was a handful for the defenders. They couldn't live with him, to be honest with you. The Luton Town defenders, they, they couldn't hold him down. He was a live wire. He was keeping past people. He got his first goal, which was sensational, how he caught him from the right-hand side. And into onto his left foot, which is not his strongest of feet, he got it in there. He shimmed the defender, and he placed it into the bottom corner. We need to talk about Raheem Sterling more and give him much more respect, because I feel like people are sleeping on Raheem Sterling. He, at the time, he was in Manchester City. People were thinking, okay, because that was a pep side. The system was designed for all the players to shine, but you could see that now he's in a different team and in a different system. And he's still performing and pulling up those numbers. And in the second goal, he proved he showed a bit of the Manchester City side in him. That kind of tapping, tapping goal that the, the they go to the byline and cross the ball in. And then he's in the right place at the right time to tap the ball in for the second goal. But then another player that caught my eye in that Chelsea game was Nicolas Jackson. So the Nicolas Jackson as a player, I really love him. I rate him as a footballer. But then I've been looking for like when will he start bagging the goals and he opened the account in the last game. He was sensational all through the game. He didn't lose the ball unnecessarily. His hold up play was second to none. He bullied the defender. He was, he had a power. I just noticed he was, he's a very powerful runner. He can take the ball and drive up the field and get the ball up for his team. That was a wonderful performance from Nicholas Jackson as a player. I mean, the whole Chelsea side played lovely, but those two players were instrumental in their win against Luton Town. Albeit, Luton is not the strongest side, they are not the best in the Premier League, they might as well get relegated this season. 
but you can't you can't fault Chelsea for that performance. They were they were the best team on the pitch there. And Casado, I wouldn't say he has he has redeemed himself from last week, but you could see that he he was a bit much more steady, much more crisp on the ball. He made a, a couple of mistakes here and there, but it was not anything too over the top. It wasn't too serious. He was he was lovely. He they played the ball properly. And Enzo Fernandez, I really don't know how that boy came into the Premier League and slotted in. He's he doesn't fear anybody. He is one of the best midfielders in the league for his age. I mean, he's already a World Cup winner at that age, so that says a lot about him as a as a player. But he was he was he was instrumental in that display from the Chelsea side. They dismantled Luton Town and made them look like a championship side, which I mean they are a championship side just because in the Premier League last this season. But Chelsea were second to none. I also want to like give um, Pochettino a couple of praises here because from their last performance, the Chelsea lost the last performance, but he didn't he didn't show what Chelsea were like. Cause to be very honest with you, Chelsea played well against West Ham, but they couldn't finish their lunch or their dinner or their goals. In this game, they were also dominant and they finished their chances and they didn't give hope or any doubt in the Luton Town players that they could get anything from Stamford Bridge. They came in, they were professional about the performance and they put the Luton Town players to the sword. And that was basically it. You can't you can't fault, you can't say more than this. This is like everything you could talk about in the game. I mean practically you could say that you could talk about what happened practically, but I don't talk about the tactics. I'm talking about what I say and what I observe in the game. It was a total demolition from, from Chelsea to Luton Town. I mean, that's just basically it. Moving on from one of the best games to a top game in my in my mind. I mean, I'd have loved Newcastle to win, but the way the game ended against Liverpool, you could you could see. I mean, the, the game had everything in it from the start. The loose ball from Mohamed Salah to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who couldn't control the ball well. I mean, it went underneath his foot. As a, as a professional football player, that's a bad luck. That's that's hard luck. I mean, I can't I can't fault him for that. And then Newcastle went a goal up. So it was all sailing nice and good until Virgil Van Dijk collected a straight red card. In that moment, I thought things were going to go downhill for Liverpool because Newcastle is not a side you just come into town and steamroll, or you expect to get a result from from them. You have to work extra hard, and when you go a man down, you have to work extra extra hard. And to be honest with you, Newcastle were also wasteful. They were wasteful in their performance and their in their manner of approach in their in front of goal because they had chances to put Liverpool out of their misery, but they kept on missing chances, missing chances, and missing chances. And to be honest with you, Trent Alexander-Arnold was was booked earlier in the game for decent. I don't really rate that kind of yellow card to be honest with you. But it is what it is. It's the letter of the law right now, so I won't I won't fight it. Well, he could say the second the second time he fouled um, Anthony Gordon it was a, a pull on the shirt. If VAR intervened in that situation, there's have been a red card for 
Trent Alexander Arnold, but I mean the refs are inconsistent at this point. So there was no VR check on it. He kept on playing. Liverpool kept the game at 1-0, controlled everything, tried as much as possible to stay in the game. And the player that changed everything came onto the pitch in the name of Darwin Nunes. Darwin Nunes is a player that when he came into the season, into the into the league, I mean last season with Ellen Haaland, people were comparing him to Ellen Haaland. He didn't live up to the hype compared to Ellen Haaland, who scored a, a whole lot of goals. Darwin Nunes on the other side, he didn't perform up to par with the likes of Haaland, considering the, the transfer fee Liverpool paid for him. It was he wasn't living up to it. But this performance, this goal, the, the, the way he, he took the game by the scruff of the neck and dragged Liverpool to the victory was everything to his character. Darwin Nunes is not the most technical player on the pitch. He's not the most flamboyant player on the pitch, but he's a hard worker and he knows where the back of the net is. Darwin Nunes came in, kept running from the moment he came in down to the final moment. The first goal came in from a defensive blunder from Sven Botman. I won't, I won't, I won't blame him because the ball bubbled off him and Darwin Nunes was in through on goal, one on one with the goalkeeper and he buried it. The, the game came back to 1-1 and we were all square. Having in mind that Liverpool took this red card early in the first half, so they, Newcastle had over well over 80 minutes to put Liverpool out of their misery, but they, they couldn't finish that dinner, they couldn't get the second, the third and the fourth goal. And Liverpool just kept growing into the game, kept growing into the game. Once Darwin Nunes equalised the game, it was on a knife edge. I was with a friend at that day, I won't call his name, I was with a friend, he's a Liverpool fan. He he lost his mind once they equalised. He was like, he he feels like they are going to win this game. And I'm like, bro, you are down to 10 men, you can't win this game. I mean, it's Newcastle. I was doubting him because, I mean, one goal is alright, you can equalise it and end 1-1. Having in mind that the Liverpool equalised the game quite early, late, I mean, late in the second half, around probably the 80th or 70-something minute, I can't recall it perfectly, but I was expecting a draw from that game. And oh my god, Mohamed Salah put in the ball to Darwin Nunes on that same path, on that same angle. The second time face to face with Nick Pope and he buried it. That was I mean, if you don't love football as a game, I would I would recommend this game to you. It was everything you wanted to see in a game. It had the lows of um, agony, the highs of elation, everything bottled in one game, in one one moment. That was what this game had in it. Coming to think that Liverpool Liverpool were not going to get a point in that game and for them to leave with three points that was everything you needed to to see or to love about football because football is I mean football is a humbler <laughs> football will humble you and that was the real humbler for Newcastle Newcastle on the other side they I feel like they, they expected that they are the biggest team and they could just keep attacking and attacking and attacking I mean, you can attack, but once you see that you are not getting the goal, you could just control the game and take the one nail win and keep it moving. But it seemed like they they wanted to they wanted to put Liverpool 
they wanted Liverpool to the sword and they kept on going for it and they paid the ultimate price from Darwin Nunes coming onto the pitch and putting Liverpool ahead. Speaking of comebacks, we're going to go back to the greatest comeback of the weekend and that was Manchester United against Nottingham Forest. So, having in mind that I'm a Manchester United fan, this game, it was a freak game to me because how would you start a game and within four minutes of the game, you're already two goals down. That was like the, the weirdest of games you could ever watch in football. So, the game started off, we had, Manchester United had an early corner, which the, new, um, the players defended and then Awoni ran all the way from the halfway line, Rafa chasing him and he slotted it into the back of the net. I was still like, okay, let's let's see what's going on here. Let me understand what's, what kind of game this is. And in the, in the second moment, a foul from Dalot on the, the right winger. And that was like a set piece into the box. And Will Bolly scored the second goal. I was fuming. I lost my mind. I was, I was, I mean, if I was not really strong behind this manager, I would have started saying, bro, this manager don't understand what you are doing. But then, we saw that the game developed. After that freak events from Manchester United, the, uh, the, the players took the game up. Rashford, Eriksen, Bruno, they came alive in the game. And in the first half, I mean, Rashford took on his man, flashed the ball across the face of goal. And Christian Eriksen pulled one back for Manchester United. In my mind, I was like, Ugh, it might end up 2 1. We kept on watching the game. Manchester United dominated the ball, where they were good on the ball. Apart from the first four minutes where we went two goals down, I feel like Manchester United controlled the game. They, they dominated everything. They were first in all departments in the match. And then they, we got the second goal from a beautiful, rehearsed. I mean, I watched the press conference after the game. Bruno said it was not rehearsed. Eric Ten Hag said it was rehearsed, but I will believe the manager. He said it was a rehearsed game, rehearsed free kick from Eric Ramsey, the free kick coach from Manchester United. I want to believe it. But then it was a lovely goal. With the, 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 it, was a, it was an outswinger from the right-hand side. Bruno, instead of crushing it into the box, he passed it on the floor down to Rashford, who was around the edge of the box. Who now flipped it into the penalty area? Bruno ran in, nodded it across the face of goal to Casemiro, and Casemiro made it two-two. So the game was on the on the edge at that moment, and the and the, the opposing players lost their head. They started committing fouls, committing fouls. They were they, they couldn't live with Manchester United, and Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest defender, got sent off. From it was a clear and obvious foul. He, I wouldn't say it was disrupting the the pass to go, but it was, it was. I mean, this is what it is. The Premier League referees, are, I don't know what they are saying now. But then they got the red card and they got the man sent off. So Manchester United kept the game going, kept the game going, and Rashford took his man on for the second time in that game. And his man brought him down and Rashford milked it, milked it. I mean, people are still arguing whether it was a penalty or not. To me, there was a slight contact, but then... If, now in football, the slightest of contacts 
um, give can give a red card to be honest with you. So I really don't know what is what in football again. But then the ref pointed to the spot and Captain Fantastic, Captain Magnifico, Captain Bruno Fernandez, he stepped up to the plate and he put Manchester United to the lead. And that was basically it. The match ended 3 2. To be honest with you, after the red card, the 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 Nottingham Forest players they started coming into the game. They became they became alive. They they controlled the ball, but it was just too late for them to to get anything from the game because Manchester United already shut up shop and closed everything down for from them. The the other game I'll talk about is the game the Tottenham game against uh, Tottenham against Bournemouth. Tottenham played against Bournemouth. Tottenham, I mean, the, this Anthony Coglu guy, he he came into the league. A lot of my Tottenham fans, friends, or influencers that I see on social media and on YouTube, they they were not really believing in him. They they didn't understand who he was as as a coach, as a manager. And I mean, I feel like now they are they are they believe in him. They understand what he wants them to do. And the players are buying into his philosophy because he is a possession-based coach coming in from um, from Celtic. I mean, in the Scottish league, he came in from Celtic with winning, just winning the treble. Permit me to say, he won the treble in Celtic. He came into Tottenham Hotspur, but we all know that the Premier League is a different beast. You can win anything you want to win in a different league. Once you come into the Premier League, you are just another manager trying to beat Pep and his Manchester City side. But to be honest with you. Since Ange Postokoglu came into the side, he has been a revelation for Tottenham Hotspur. They've been playing good football, beautiful football. They they possess the ball, they coordinate the ball. They are very precise and systematic in their approach. You see, he brings in young players. You can see the likes of Vicario, Mickey Van de Ved, James Madison. I don't know how old he is, but he is not on the older side. You can see what this manager wants to do. He wants to dominate the ball. He wants to make the, the, the opposing side walk for the ball, run for the ball. And his own players also they are very hardworking. I mean they beat Manchester United last week. I could see it firsthand what he wanted them to do. They are good in possession and very good out of possession. They are press monsters. They could run for the whole 90 minutes. And I mean Tottenham just did what they were supposed to do against this Bournemouth side. They came in, Papi Matasa gave him the first assist to James Madison who scored the goal and then from there it's, it was basically it and uh, that's basically it from the Premier League actions of the previous week in the next segment we'll be talking about UFC action we'll talk about the main event UFC Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie And in the UFC, guys, we saw Max Holloway taking on the Korean Zombie in the UFC, UFC Singapore. I mean, that was a lovely fight there from Max Holloway, to be honest with you. He proved again why he is one of the best in the division of the featherweight division of the UFC. Being that he's not a champion, the champion remains Alexander Volkanovski, who has beaten Max Holloway three times in their last three fights. But Max Holloway proves time and time again that he is still one of the best in the decision, division, pardon me. And he proves his worth again after knocking out the Korean Zombie in the third round. So to remain the number one contender of the featherweight division. 
Personally, I do not want to see a fight with Alexander Volkanovski against Mark Holloway because I mean we've seen it three times and he beat him three times. That's enough. I, I want to see Alexander Volkanovski going against Ilya Tupuria. Ilya Tupuria is a fighter that has the bare minimum in fighting. Good, good combination. He looks good and sharp while fighting. He looks like his techniques are all right. But I don't think he's going to be a good match for Alexander Volkanovski because Alexander Volkanovski dominates fight he systematically brings down fighters breaks them pushes them to their breaking point and i don't think Ilya Tupuria will be able to fight alexander volkanovsky but in the ufc of the previous week uses ufc singapore McCulloway showed why he's the best and he deserves a title shot but personally i believe he shouldn't be given the title shot against alexander volkanovsky except if or only if Alexander Volkanovski moves up in weight class or loses the belt to someone else, then and only then we can say, okay, let's get Max Holloway in the line to fight him because that's when it makes sense. But now it makes no sense. On the other hand, the Korean zombie, I didn't know that that was going to be his retirement fight because what I thought or I read in the media was that he was going to go for one last shot at the title. Since he was knocked out and defeated in that manner, in that devastating manner in the third round, he has posted on his Instagram since then, stating that he this is gonna be this was that that was the last fight, and it was a good time he had in the UFC and he couldn't ask for anything more. And I mean, you could see that he's he has a good career and he has been in the game for a long time. He has made good money from the UFC, and I feel like this is time for him to to hang his gloves on and become a family man because you could only fight for so long in your career in your, in your lifetime and your age and uh, it begins to tell on you like um, like a friend of mine would say or a pundit or a punter that I would usually watch Cheo Sonnen it is usually the fighter that recognizes last that his time is up in the game because he feels like he still has one last fight in him one last fight in him and then you slowly watch your hero become just a regular fighter and I'm really happy for the Korean zombie that he left in the way he left in his own hometown in Asia and then he his workout was lovely I, I enjoyed watching it it was mad entertaining the song I still listen to it till to date I mean that's just it UFC is a sport that is growing in this part of the world I'm not really sure a lot of my listeners watch the UFC but I would love to think that my podcast like is entertaining that you want to listen to it at least but then you should try listen watching the ufc because it's really fun and it's really nice and i mean that's been that for the ufc segments let's get to the outro see you guys soon peace out That has been the UFC segment. Remember, this is the Pound for Pound podcast with your host, David Madako. I'll be seeing you guys next week. Remember to give a follow to the podcast. I'll see you guys same place, same time, same platform, whatever platform you're listening from next week. Peace out, guys. Peace out, guys.